for that. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, that it does show us who you are. And I pray tonight that I would be able to explain it carefully and, and clearly and that you'd be speaking through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so we're going to look tonight at the passage that John just read for us. So keep your Bibles open. If you don't have a Bible, uh, speak to a leader. We'd love to give you a Bible. And if you do have a Bible, bring it every week because it's going to be really helpful. I'm going to be flicking through a little bit um, in this passage. Uh, so we saw, um, we've been looking at Mark uh, over this term, as John mentioned. We're looking at this question, who is this man? Uh, we saw, just to give you guys a bit of context, um, if you guys haven't been here uh, for the last couple of weeks, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says the purpose of this book of Mark. It says that this book is about the beginning of the good news, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. And so in chapter 1, Jesus does a whole bunch of crazy things. He heals a whole bunch of people. He casts out some demons. But then in verse 38 and 39, Jesus' disciples, they come up to him. He's just chilling and praying to God. And they're like, everyone's looking for you, but this is what he says. This is why Jesus has come. He says, um, I've come to preach. Let's go somewhere else. I've come to preach there also. That's why I have come. And so Jesus, he goes out and he preaches. And last week we saw, Matty gave a talk, we saw one of his talks about the parable of the sower or the, or the seeds or the soils. And he's going around the whole countryside preaching and teaching. But he's constantly being interrupted. He's constantly being interrupted by people that want healing or people that have some crazy stuff happening like they're naked and they're in a graveyard and they're cutting themselves. It's kind of a weird story, but you'll look at it in G-Teams next week. That's just what's happened before. He's cast out his demon from this guy and Jesus is constantly being interrupted. So we have a look here. Let's come to, come to tonight's passage, chapter 5, verse 21, as John read for it. Let me just read a bit again. Verse 21. He says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. So Jesus, again, he's drawing the crowds. They've all come to get in on the action. They've all come to get healed. And so this guy, this guy called Jairus, meets him. Let's just call him Jai just for short. So Jai, he's a synagogue leader, like, kind of like a rabbi, if you've heard that name before. He's looking after a synagogue, which is like the Jewish church. He's probably got a decent amount of coin on him. We read later on, he's got a bunch of servants. But he was a religious guy, someone who people generally looked up to in the community. But he's got an issue. His 12-year-old daughter, she's sick. But not just like a little bit sick. She's hectically sick. She starts, she's dying. Jai's desperate. So he gets down on his knees and he just begs. He begs to Jesus to heal her so that she might live. And so Jesus does. He goes off on the way to Jairus' house, to Jai's house. But there's an interruption. Have a look at verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. But instead of getting better, she got worse. So the crowds kept following him. And one of the people uh, in this crowd is this woman who's also hectically sick. She'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
waiting for 12 years. What's going on here? If I was giving this talk up there in juniors, I probably wouldn't go into all this detail, but you guys can handle this. The girls especially, you'll understand what's going on. She's basically, she's basically had a period for 12 years. 12 years. Guys, we, we can't understand. We're not, not sure what that's like. If you want to know what that's like, maybe chat to one of the girls over a milkshake afterwards. You'll find out more. <laughs> my, my wife tells me that 12 years would be less than ideal. So, um, so that's her situation. Anyway, let's get rid of that picture. Uh, her situation, it's particularly crappy as she spent all her money as well. This woman, not only is she bleeding, she's broke. She spent all her money on doctors trying to get better. And it says there that instead of getting better, it gets worse. It gets worse. So what does she do? She steps out in verse 27 in faith, touches Jesus' cloak and gets healed. And look down at verse 29. Immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Meanwhile, some shocking news happens to Jai's daughter. You jump down to verse 35. One of Jai's servants comes up to Jesus. So come up to Jai and says, Your daughter is dead. Jai's 12 year old precious daughter, she's dead. And so, what's the point of Jesus the healer? What can he do? His time has gone. But Jesus, he says something quite interesting. He says, Don't be afraid. Keep having faith in me. And people start laughing at him, not because he's telling a joke, because of how foolish the idea it is. See, Jesus had healed a whole bunch of people. But this guy, this girl, she was dead. Once you're dead, you're dead. Like, there's no coming back. And so we've got these two girls, one from the rich family who's dead, and the other one who has nothing, who gets healed. But we're just going to quickly go over this story, then we'll come back. Jai's daughter, she's dead. But Jesus goes up into her room with her parents and a couple of his disciples, and incredibly, she gets healed from the dead. Incredibly. And so these two women, it's actually faith that leads them to life. Faith or trust is this massively powerful thing, but it's also a dangerous thing. So we're going to go back into the story. I'm going to show you three things uh, about faith. Two good things and one warning. So three things are faith has power, faith has danger, and faith has hope. So firstly, the power of faith. So faith or trust, it's a powerful force, isn't it? As we've already talked about, we trust in things to help us get through situations, to help us persevere, to depend on things greater than ourselves to get us through life. If we have faith in our own ability, sometimes it'll help us get through a situation. Maybe we can have faith in our ability to study to get through an exam, our ability to train to get through uh, an event coming up. Maybe we have faith in our ability to, to pick up a guy or a girl. But faith... It's, it's trusting in something that's going to get us through. And so faith, it's really powerful. And we see this incredible power that comes from faith. And so let's look at this bleeding woman. Let's give her a name. Can, can someone give me a girl's name? Beatrice. Beatrice will do. Beatrice will do. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'll call her Beatrice. Okay, so Beatrice, right? Beatrice, her life, her life sucked. And we see in verse 27, go back to verse 27, she says, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch his cloak, then I can be healed. My bleeding, my pain, my misery, my separation 
from others will be over. And so for Beatrice, she showed this incredible faith. She was an outcast of society, but she knew that Jesus had the power, and so she got to him. And she was scared afterwards. We can see her reaction. But her faith allowed her to be healed. Jesus says, verse 34, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from suffering. And similarly, we look at Jai. Come down a bit further. We look at Jai and his daughter. We see his great faith. He was one of the religious leaders uh, who'd mostly been kind of ganging up on Jesus. But he kind of broke away from that pack. He went up to Jesus, who a bunch of his mates were trying to kill. And he said to, he got down on his knees and pleaded earnestly. He said, my daughter's dying, verse 23. Please come and just put your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. And later on, even though she died, it was actually Jai's faith in Jesus that healed her. But the key point is this. The power actually doesn't come from the faith. It comes from the source of the faith. I'll say that a different way. It's not actually the size of your faith. It's actually what that faith is in. Has anyone ever been to, um, just down the road, to ice skating at Erina? Yeah, a bunch of you guys have. I actually went on one of my first few dates with Sarah, actually. So um, if you need a, a date tip, it's pretty good. You get to like hold, hold the hand pretty quickly, which is good. Anyway, um, so ice skating, right? Ice skating. Like, I mean, I kind of sucked, and Sarah, to be honest, wasn't heaps much better. But, um, but, um, but little kids, like, often little kids, they just go out and they have no fear. Like, maybe it's because they've got further to, less to fall. Like, they're a bit, I'm quite tall. It's a bit painful up here. But, but little kids, often they, they don't have much fear, but sometimes they do. Sometimes they do have fear. Sometimes they're just so nervous of stepping out onto the ice. Uh, maybe they've seen like cartoons of, of you know, people falling through lakes. They're just not sure what's underneath. And so they get freaked out. And so this little girl, she's kind of freaked out about taking the first step. So she has to hold this, you know, hold Pingu to help her out. Um, and she's, but imagine there's a little girl, right? And she's, she's trying to step out, but she's only got this little bit of faith in the ice, just a little bit of faith. She's not quite sure. She's getting really nervous about kind of stepping out. She's not sure what to do. She's still holding on to daddy's hand. But if she just has that little bit of faith and does actually step out, it's actually, it doesn't matter how much faith she has because the ice, it's so deep underneath. There's meters and meters of ice underneath the, the rink at Erina. So it doesn't matter how little faith we step in that, we can we will get to stand on the ice. So for this little girl, it doesn't actually matter how little her faith is. She's got these meters and meters of ice underneath because her faith is on something solid, on something deep. And so guys, tonight, where is your faith? Is your faith on something shallow or is it on something deep? Do you have faith in Jesus who, despite our circumstances in life, will never turn away from us. Despite how bad we are, despite how much we offend God, He's never going to leave us. He's so unshakable. It's like standing on meters and meters and meters of ice. However, there is a great danger that comes with faith. So secondly, here's the warning I talked about. Faith has danger. Faith's powerful. Faith leads people to do all kinds of crazy things. 
But Jesus warns us of the dangers of putting our faith in the wrong thing. So going back to the passage, verse 28. Remember Beatrice, she says, If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I just touch his clothes, then Beatrice had faith in Jesus, but she just wanted to make sure. So Jesus wanted to make sure that people didn't get the wrong idea. See, Jesus didn't want to make sure that that people thought that she had faith in the clothes, but in the person. Jesus didn't want people to think that he was some kind of magician with a cape. If you touch the cape, then all sorts of weird things happen. Look at what Jesus did. In verse 30, he goes, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, not knowing, the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. But Jesus said to her, Your faith, daughter, your faith has healed her. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So Jesus wanted to tell the disciples, the crowd, and also us, that actually it wasn't her faith in the cloak, but it was her faith in Christ. It was her faith in the person of Jesus Christ and his power that actually freed her. And similarly, when we get to Jai and his daughter, Jesus is very particular about what he does. See, up until now, the crowds thought that Jesus was this healer, just a healer, that kind of, that's all he did. But Jesus wants to show us, no, no, he's far more than a healer. So look at what he does. There's crowds that have gathered around in verse 37, but Jesus did not let anyone from the crowds, even any of the 12 disciples, apostles, to follow him, except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So Peter, yeah. There was a big crowd outside, but Jesus was like, no, only three of you can come in. Because I don't want crowds getting the wrong idea. I don't want crowds just thinking, perpetuating this myth that I'm just a healer. Because Jesus had other priorities. So keep reading, verse 38. When they came home to the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. So there's this crowd outside, but there's also a crowd inside. See, Jai had all his servants, his family, maybe other people from the local Jewish community had gathered around probably in mourning. It was probably something like a funeral over Jai's daughter. But Jesus said, no, no, no. I don't want you guys to get this, this bad impression of, what, of who I am. I want you to know. I don't want you to think that I'm just this magical healer. And so he just takes a select few. He just takes Jai's, so he just takes uh, Jai and his wife up into the daughter's room to see what would go on. And afterwards, in verse 33, amazingly, this has been a recurring theme in Mark, he said, after he's healed her, amazingly, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. Because Jesus doesn't want to put, Jesus doesn't want people following him that put faith in Jesus the healer. Because he came to bring about much more than just physical healing. He came so that people would put their trust in him. And so Jesus doesn't want people to put their trust in him just for this life. That's something so much thinner than what Jesus is offering. I was chatting um, a couple of weeks ago to to Reese, 
um, who uh, he looked at me there. Uh, I won't embarrass him too much. But Reed, he's an ice hockey player, right? And he's been skating since he was two or three. Like he's he's, he's pretty good. And um, I've never seen him, but he's probably the best we've got in this room. I don't know. Maybe you can challenge him sometime later on. But anyway, we've got. So imagine Reese, right? Imagine he. Um, he's got this little girl, remember that I told you about before, who's kind of freaking out about standing on Erina. Imagine if Reese goes, I'm going to set myself up for a challenge. I'm going to go to like a frozen lake. And I'm pretty good at ice skating, so I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to do my thing. But Reese has faith in himself. He has faith in the lake that it's going to be deep enough to, thick enough to support him. But what happens is Reese actually goes to the lake and, in, and it's actually only a couple of millimeters thick at certain times. And so confident as he is, what happens? Well, despite all the faith he has in his ability and, his, and the lake, he'll end up something like this. And he has to be rescued by a couple of dudes in budgie smugglers. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why they're in budgie smugglers, but that would be a pretty crap situation. <laughs> Classic race. Um, so heaps of people had traveled long and far to get to the Jesus, the healer. But if that's all they're putting their trust in, there's a massive danger. They're missing out. They're putting their trust in something so much thinner, the wrong thing. So guys, where's your trust? Are you guys putting your trust in something of this life, in your own ability? Are you putting your ultimate trust in your family, your friends, your brain to help you get through exams or your body to impress other people? Are you putting your trust in your health? Are you putting your trust in your future uni degree or career? But guys, these are like the thin ice. We can't put our ultimate trust in them because eventually they'll just melt away. We need to put our trust in something much deeper. I mean, some of us here, we're putting our trust in relationships. I mean, maybe we're, we have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and when we're, when we're with them, things just feel good. But guys, there's a reality that most teenage relationships, they end in breakup. Most of them do. And even, and even the ones that work, they're not perfect. Maybe we're single, and maybe we're putting our trust that one day... We'll get into a relationship. One day, Mr. Wright, Miss Wright, one day I'll get to meet her. One day, one day, when, only when I get into that relationship, I'll be happy. I'll be able to put my trust in that future event that will happen. That used to be me. I remember when I was at school, I was so desperate to have a girlfriend. I'd do anything. I'd, I'd you know, try to meet girls you know, online. I'd do a whole bunch of stuff. But it just didn't, didn't happen. And I just... I was left devastated. And finally, actually, finally year 12 was my, my, first, my first girlfriend. We went out for ages. But then she broke up with me. She cheated on me. And I was just devastated. I was devastated. I thought I'd found someone. But I was left yearning. My heart was broken. And so I realized that I'd put my trust in the wrong thing. I realized my faith was on something that was so much shallower. Here's a photo uh, that, was, that was kind of sneakily taken um, overlooking Avoca Beach last year. And that, that's me. That's me. Uh, pretty stoked. I was, I was proposing to Sarah. I was proposing to Sarah. Um, and what I said to her, it's a pretty good shot, hey? It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I said to her is I said, I got down on my knee and I said, I said, I want you to be my number two. And what I meant by that, 
What I meant by that, no, I didn't want her to be a poo. That's not what I meant. Um, no, I said, <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're laughing, no. What, what I meant by that is actually, actually, I love you so much. I love you more than any other person in this world. But there's actually someone that, that I want to love more, and that's Jesus. And I want to put him first. And I want us to do that together. And that's what I said to Sarah. And it's not, that, it's not as romantic as, as some of the other things that people can say, but that was the reality. I realized that actually... Only something solid is worth putting your ultimate trust in. So as awesome as Sarah is, and I'm stoked to be married to her, we're going to let each other down. It's going to be hard sometimes. And even in the context of marriage, which is a special gift from God, an awesome relationship, it's, it's going to fail us. Only trusting in Jesus, that he loves you so much, that this true friendship, true forgiveness, true love, on offer for you and for I, only is that worth having as the foundation for your life. Only is that deep enough to cover all the hardships, the ups and downs of life. And so finally, we've seen the power of faith because it's the source of the power of Jesus. We've seen the dangers of faith because when we put our trust in the wrong thing. But finally, here's the good news. Let's look to the hope of faith. So back to, this, uh, back to this episode of these two girls. They're in pretty hopeless situations. Beatrice, she was cut off from society. She'd lost all her money to dodgy doctors. But Jesus, he brings about hope for her. Hope for her. She's healed physically. She gets to be part of society again. She doesn't have to waste money on dodgy doctors anymore. Maybe people will look at her differently. Maybe she'll even be able to get a husband now. But Jesus is showing that so much more hope than just the physical for her. Have a look again in verse 34. He says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. By calling her daughter, he's declaring her to be in a relationship with him. He's saying, even though you're cut off from society, I actually want you to be part of my family. We can read in chapter, Mark chapter 3 that when Jesus calls people in their family, it means that they're following God. He's not talking about biological stuff there. And so that's for us as well. If we are followers of Jesus, we get to be part of his family, part of God's family, part of each other's family. But also, Jesus says that your faith has healed you. Now, we don't pick this up in our Bibles, but the word healed, in the original Greek, it literally means like saved. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has put an end to your sin. Your faith has meant that you can trust, so that your faith has meant that you can be with God, that you can become a Christian, that you can have new life, that you get to go to heaven to be with God and his people. And so Jesus, by saying your faith has healed her, he's actually offering so much more than just her physical healing right now. And let's go down to Jai's daughter as well. Let's look at verse 42. Look at how Jesus so tenderly cares for this little girl. He takes her by the hand and says, little girl, wake up. Or some translations say, little lamb, wake up. Because Jesus before, he says that she wasn't dead, but sleeping. And that's why people laughed at him. But when the Bible talks about sleeping, often it's talking about those who have died, but are awaiting resurrection. 
those Christians who have put their trust in Jesus and are awaiting the time when Jesus returns and we get to be in heaven. And that's the reality for all of us. If we put our trust in Jesus, even though we might die, we actually get to be in heaven. And it'll be like we're asleep. We won't even notice it. We'll wake up and suddenly we'll be there with all of God's people, with Jesus on the throne. It's going to be epic. It's going to be epic. Jesus here shows that he has the authority over death. He's been healing a bunch of people, but up until now, he hasn't revealed this piece of this key piece of his identity. He's got the authority over death. So do you trust him? Not just with a little bit of your life, but with all of your life. Because you see, Jesus, he he too went and walked along the road to death. He too went, he went to the cross. And on the cross, he took a punishment, a brutal punishment, died an excruciating death, which actually that's what that word excruciating literally means, out of the cross. He died the most painful possible death that anyone could imagine. But what's more, he died a spiritual death. He took on the world's sin, he took on your, you and I, my sin, so that we can be right with him. Because he too had faith, he had trust in God's plan. He had hope. And so guys, tonight, where is your hope? Is it in money? Is it in your brain to be able to get you the marks, to get you into the course, to get you the right job? Is it in your relationships, how people view you? Is it in yourself? Do you guys have the, oh, she'll be right attitude that many Aussies have? But we've seen tonight that faith in Jesus has the power to save. But faith in anything else can lead to danger. And faith in Jesus leads to hope of life. And so to wrap up, some of us tonight, we've been checking out this stuff for a while. Can I guys encourage you, if you have not yet put your trust in Jesus, you might have more questions, you might have more doubts, but can I encourage you tonight, if this is you, to pray a prayer, to say to God, God, I'm sorry, I don't have all the answers, I've got questions, but I want to trust you. I want to trust in the work of your son Jesus to take the punishment for me. That's what faith is. It doesn't mean you need to be a super Christian. You can just be like this little girl who's stepping out onto the thin, sort of the thick ice of, of Erina. You don't have to have all the answers. Being a Christian isn't about having this superhuman faith. It's about trusting in Jesus, who is more than a superhuman. But for others, most of us, many of us here perhaps, have already made a decision to follow Jesus. And yet, often our hope, our trust, the way we live our life, is reflective of other things. On one hand, we say, yes, we are followers of Jesus. But on the other hand, the way our life looks reflects trusting in other things, in ourselves, in our brains, in our bodies, in our relationships, in our, even in our family. All these things are good things. But ultimately, they're just icy thin. So guys, can I encourage you, put your trust on the solid hope of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus, the rock, to live, to die, to rise again from the dead for us. Thank you, Lord, that by trusting in him, that he has offered the way for us to have eternal life. And Father, I ask that we would, with all our hearts, trust in you, and that would be reflective of how we live our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.